0: hey guys welcome back to caffeine and crime today i'm going to be recording an episode for you guys but i apologize if there's any noise i'm gonna try my best to uh mess with the audio as much as possible but we have the city that is like cutting down branches away from the electrical wires and stuff like that. So there might be a slight hum in the background if I cannot get it out, unfortunately. But today, I hope you guys have your caffeine ready because this part and next week's part is probably going to be pretty long. I try to get through these as quickly as I can, but uh, there's a lot with this one. So today we're gonna be talking about another serial killer that has a list of names. He was known as the Night Stalker the walk-in killer, and the valley intruder. And that is Richard Ramirez. Richard was born February 29th, 1960 in El Paso, Texas. His father, Julian, he he was a Mexican national and former Mexico policeman who later became a laborer on the Santa Fe Railroad. And his dad was known to have like a lot of anger and it often resulted into physical abuse on his family. Richard grew up with four siblings. He was known as Richie in the family, and he kind of was taken under wing by his older cousin, Miguel Ramirez, who went as, by, as Mike, so that's what I'll be referring to him as. Um, and Mike was actually in the U.S. Army and um, was a combat veteran who often was like... Very, I don't know, like gruesome, um, talked about his experience, not like you would think. I feel like a lot of time when you talk to veterans and people who've been in the army and who have went, you know, through really tragic and just awful things, they either don't talk about it or if they're asked about it, they're very just, you know, emotional about it and they don't say too much about it and if they do they show a lot of emotion but Mike was not like that like he kind of like bragged about it almost and would talk about um the gruesome things that he's seen during uh the Vietnam war he even shared polaroid pictures of his victims to people like he would show them polaroids of these victims and that included Vietnamese women who he had raped and in some of the photos Mike posed with sev- severed heads of women he had abused I mean just awful so this guy already is like oh just one of the worst people ever Richard started hanging out with this cousin and you know bonded with him over uh smoking marijuana as hell so little at the age of 10 is when he started and he would join in with his cousin Mike and hear all these gory war stories and Mike taught his cousin military skills he about killing and how to do it quickly and efficient and oh it's just awful I mean that right there is just like the red flag that this kid is going to grow up to be something awful and around the time uh richard was 12 years old and he began to seek escape from his father's violent temper and he actually started sleeping at a cemetery in his town which, which is so awful he's a little 12 year old and Richard was present on May 4th, 1973, when his cousin, Mike, fatally shot his wife, Jessie, in the face with a thirty-eight caliber revolver during a fight. So they got in a fight, and it got violent, and he whipped out his revolver gun and just shot her point blank in the face. All the while, Richard was right there. After the shooting, Richard became very lonesome um very backwards by like around his family and his peers like he didn't want anything to really do with anybody he seemed very distraught and just very shaken up by it obviously like who wouldn't be but later that year he moved with his older sister ruth and her husband roberto and You might think things are going to get better, but Roberto was known to be very obsessive about peeking into people's house and being a peeping Tom. So he would go on these night trips, I guess, where he would go and peek in on people. And a lot of the time he would take Richard along with him. Around this time, Richard also started using LSD and started having this interest for Satanism. Later when the trial for... Uh, His cousin Mike played out. He was found not guilty for Jesse's murder by reason of insanity and was released in 1977 after four years of being in the Texas State Mental Hospital. And then, once again, his influence over Richard continued. So now being 17 and having his cousin back as an influence in his life, it was not a good thing. And this is when he started to have his fantasies of being violent and about rape, all kinds of just awful things. And he was still in school. He took a job at the local Holiday Inn where he used his passkey to rob sleeping people. So if people were in these rooms, you know, at this hotel he would sneak in with their keys and or with his pass key and rob them pretty much. And that's how he got fired. (laughs) Um, a hotel guest returned to their room to find Richard attempting to rape his wife. Although the husband beat Richard senseless at the crime scene, uh, criminal charges were dropped when the couple who lived out of state declined to return to testify against him, which we've heard. And, um, another case as well. And from there, Richard dropped out of Jefferson High School in the ninth grade. And at the age of 22 later, I mean, this is much later at the age of 22, he moved to California where he settled permanently. So now that we know a little bit of his background, everything else just kind of comes flying in at this point. He's been through so much um, of abuse from his family. And then just the Good examples that he thought were good examples but weren't, um, that he had just really messed this kid up. And at the age of 22, um, while living in California, he settled there. Thankfully, he doesn't have like his cousin right there with him, but he's still the messed up person he is. And two years after that, on April 10th of 1984, was when Richard murdered nine year old. Me Ling in the basement of a hotel where he was living. It was in a district in San Francisco. He raped and beat the girl before stabbing her to death and hanged her body from a pipe. This is known as his first known killing, but it was not initially identified as being connected to him until um, 2009 when Richard's DNA was matched to a sample obtained at this crime scene. So during this time, Nobody knew what happened to this. They knew what happened, but they didn't know who had done this. But soon after is when he got the name, the Night Stalker. So these are his Night Stalker crimes. On June 28th, 1984, 79-year-old Ginny Cow was found brutally murdered in her apartment in Glassell Park, Los Angeles. She had been stabbed repeatedly while asleep in her bed and her throat slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Richard's fingerprints was found on a mesh screen he removed to gain access through an open window. On March seventeenth, 1985, Ramirez attacked a 22-year-old Maria Hernandez outside her home in Rosemead, California. He shot her in the face with a twenty-two caliber handgun. I mean, I wonder where he's seen that before um she had just pulled into her garage she survived when the bullet ricocheted off the keys that she held up in front of her face to protect herself inside of her house was her roommate dale yoshi um akazaki i don't want to mispronounce that um she was 34 and she heard the gunshot and ducked behind a counter and when she saw richard enter the kitchen um, she raised her head just a little bit, and he shot her once in the forehead, killing her. After that, during that same hour, Richard pulled thirty-year-old—I don't want to butcher her name. She went by Veronica, so I'm just going to say Veronica U. Um, but he pulled her out of her car in Monterey Park, in California, and shot her twice with the same twenty-two caliber handgun. And he fled. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The two murders and attempted third in a single day attracted extensive coverage from news media, who all they knew was a curly-haired attacker with bulging eyes and wide-spaced, rotting teeth. After And after these three, the two murders, the attempt, um, some of the names, the walk-in killer, the valley intruder, kind of started, but it continued, which... Is why it led to the Night Stalker. On March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty five, Richard entered a home that he burglarized a year earlier in Whittier, California, at approximately two a.m. and killed the sleeping Vincent Charles Zazera. He was sixty four years old, and he was killed from a gunshot to his head with a twenty two caliber handgun. His wife, Maxine who was 44 was awakened by the gunshot and Richard beat her bound her hands while demanding to know where her valuables were while he ransacked the room. Uh, Maxine escaped her bonds and retrieved the shotgun from under the bed. But unfortunately it was not loaded and she did not get it loaded in time. And Richard found her, he was very infuriated and he shot her three times with the 22 and then, um, got a large carving knife from the kitchen oh so he stabbed her several times and then he gouged out her eyes and placed them in a jewelry box that he took with him oh the autopsy determined that um the stabbing took place after she had already died thank god she didn't go through that but so awful he left footprints uh, with the pair of his Avia sneakers that um, he was wearing and the flower bed that the police were able to photograph and cast. But that was the only evidence that they were able to get from that crime scene. Um, plus the bullets that were found at the scene matched uh, the same as the previous attack. So the police realized that it was a serial killer at large and not just um, random hits here and there. And... This, it's so awful, but Vincent and Maxine's bodies were discovered by their son Peter. It's can you imagine that being your parents? So awful. May 14th, 1985, Ramirez returned to Monterey Park and entered the home of Bill uh, Doy, who was 66, and his disabled wife Lillian, who was 56. Surprising Doy in his bedroom, uh, Richard shot him in the face with his 22 semi-automatic pistol as Bill had went to grab like his own handgun. And after shooting him, if that wasn't enough, he went and beat the man until he was unconscious. And then um, it says Richard entered Lillian's bedroom. So I don't know if they just had separate bedrooms. I don't really know. Um, But he bound her and raped her, and then after that, he ransacked the entire home for valuables. Uh, Bill did die of his injuries while at the hospital, and I believe Lillian did survive her attack. On the night of May 29th, 1985, Richard drove a stolen Mercedes-Benz to Monrovia, California, Monrova, i don't know uh california and stopped at the house of mabel bell who went by ma who was 83 years old and her sister florence lang um who was 81 and went by nettie so he found a hammer in the kitchen and he attacked nettie with it and bound her in her bedroom and then he went and attacked ma and bound her as well um before using an electrical cord to shock the women oh He then went on to rape one of them and he used Ma's lipstick to draw a pentagon on her thigh as well as on the walls of both bedrooms. They were discovered two days later and both women were found alive but both women were unconscious and stayed in comas and uh, Ma later died of her injuries. The next day, Richard drove the same car to Burbank, California, and snuck into the home of Carol Kyle, who was 42. At gunpoint, he bound Carol and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs, then ransacked the house again looking for things. He did lead Carol through the home and told her to tell him where all the valuables were at, and then he sodomized her repeatedly. He also repeatedly ordered her not to look at him, telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out. He fled the scene after retrieving the child from the closet and binding them two together with handcuffs. On the night of July 2nd, 1985, he drove a stolen Toyota Um, to arcadia california and randomly selected the house of mary louise cannon who was 75 after quietly entering the widowed grandmother's home he found her asleep in her bedroom he beat her until she was unconscious with a lamp and then repeatedly stabbed her using a 10-inch butcher knife from her own kitchen she was found dead at the crime scene on July 7th, 1985, Richard burglarized another home. It was the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, who was 61. I feel like he's just like hitting up people who are retired. He knows that they uh, have valuables in their house, and it is just so awful. Um, Joyce was also in Monterey Park, and he found her asleep in her on her living room couch. He beat her to death using his fist and kicking her in the head. A shoe print from the same Avia sneaker was left imprinted on her face, and after cruising two other neighborhoods, he returned to Monterey Park and chose the home of Sophie Dickman, who was sixty three He assaulted and handcuffed her at gunpoint, attempted to rape her, and stole her jewelry. Um, when she swore to him that he had taken everything valuable, he told her to swear to satan um, on july twenty nineteen eighty five Um, Richard purchased a machete before driving a stolen Toyota to Glendale, California. He chose the home of Layla Needing, um, who was 66, and her husband, Maxton, who was uh, 68. He burst into the sleeping couple's bedroom and hacked them with the machete, then killed them with the shots, um, to the head with a twenty-two caliber handgun. After killing them, he went on further with the machete before robbing the house of valuables. And after quickly fencing the stolen items from the Needing's house, he drove to Sun Valley. At approximately 4.15 a.m., he broke into the home of the Knoveneth family, I'm really sorry if I butcher any names through this, but some of these are just a little difficult for me. Um, he shot the sleeping Haenerong in the head with a 25 caliber handgun, killing him instantly, then repeatedly raped some some kid and beat, and he sodomized her. He bound the couple's terrified eight-year-old son before dragging Zom kid around the house to reveal the locations of any valuable items that he was after, um, which he stole. And during his assault, he demanded that she swear to Satan as well, that she was not hiding any money from him. August 6, 1985, Richard drove to Northridge, California and broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. I know these are a lot of names, too. It gets confusing, but it literally was just a short period of time and it was killing after killing. Um, he crept into their bedroom. He startled Virginia, who was 27 years old, and shot her in the face with this 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. He then shot Chris in the temple and attempted to flee. Chris fought back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before Richard managed to escape. This couple did survive their injuries. Oh my gosh, can you imagine going through something like that? On August 8th, 1985, Richard drove a stolen car to Diamond Bar, California, and chose the home of Sakina Boath, who was 27, and her husband, Elias, who was 31. Sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house and went into the master bedroom. He instantly killed the sleeping Elias with a shot to the head with a twenty-five caliber handgun. He handcuffed and beat his wife while forcing her to reveal the locations of her jewelry. And then he brutally raped and sodomized her. He repeatedly demanded that she swear on Satan that she would not scream during his assaults. And when the couple's three-year-old son entered the bedroom, Richard tied the child up and then continued on. After Richard left the home, uh, Sakina untied her son and sent him to the neighbors for help because she was in such bad shape. Richard, who had been following the media coverage of his crimes, left Los Angeles and headed to the San Francisco Bay Area. And on August 18th, 1985, he entered the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. And yes, his name is Peter Pan. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, Peter was shot in his sleep He was 66 years old, and it was right in the temple with a twenty-five caliber handgun. Barbara was then beat and sexually assaulted, and she was 62. After he was finished with her, he shot her in the head and left her to die. At the crime scene, Richard used lipstick to draw a pentagon um, and the phrase, Jack the Knife, on the bedroom wall. When that was discovered from previous Locations as well, and the same shoe print. Uh, the Los Angeles crime scene matched the pan crime with the other cases, and the San Francisco's then mayor, Diane Feinstein, put the information in the televised press conference. And this leak of evidence made the detectives on the case so mad because they knew the killer would be following the media coverage and it gave him the opportunity to um, get rid of any evidence that would have really helped them with the case of pinpointing who this person was. And Richard, he was watching the press and he dropped his Avia sneakers over the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that night. He remained in the area for a few more days before heading back to the Los Angeles area. And I'm going to wrap up part one here. There's a lot more. I know this one was like very all over the place and there's a lot of information that you just kind of have to jam pack all together, but there will be a blog post up with um, as much as I could put there. There wasn't a whole lot to go off of, but I tried to get what I could from doing my research and all of that. But uh, yeah, this one is an intense one with the Night Stalker, and it just kind of goes on. But the next part, we're gonna be wrapping up things. Um, there's still more gory issues to go over, but I hope you guys enjoyed part one. Um, I'm trying to get faster about how I word everything so I can keep them at a good mark for you guys. But I hope you guys are enjoying Serial Killer season. We don't have very much of it left before we go back to some different. Um, killers, but I hope you guys are still enjoying this. Let me know what you guys think over on Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast, and I hope you guys stay tuned and listen to part two next Tuesday.